You're listening to Simperitz Radio, episode number 212. And today, we're talking all about pain, the central nervous system, and what you need to know to keep your body functioning well. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Schirm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Schirm. Welcome back to this podcast. As always, my name's Alexa, and this is the place to get healthy, live happy, and find more joy. I'm so pumped you're here. Today, I have a special guest on the show, and we are diving into a topic that is so close to home with so many people. We're talking about pain-related syndromes like fibromyalgia and pain-related syndromes. And I have a world-renowned expert on who people come to her clinic from all over the world to get help. Her name is Dr. Katinka, who is a trained chiropractor, but also that she has extensive postgraduate training in functional neurology, biological medicine, and quantum neurology rehabilitation. She is the author of two books, one called Taming the Beast, A Guide to Conquering Fibromyalgia and Putting Out the Fire, New Hope for RSD and CRPS. You're going to want to stay tuned to this show as we dive in with Dr. Katinka and I ask her questions about the central nervous system, how to unlock healing, not just for pain, but for all conditions alike, what inflammation has to do with our body and some common blockages that cause nervous system interference, and some of the best health tips she can give us to help keep us well and get us well. Now, if you want to learn more about Dr. Katinka and what she's doing, if you experience any kind of pain or undiagnosable symptoms or condition that you just can't get a handle on, you need to check out Dr. Katinka at thesparrowclinic.com. That's thesparrow, S-P-E-R-O, clinic.com. I'll make sure and link all of her information in the show notes at semperitswellness.com backslash 210. But before we get to today's show, don't forget, you can always find all the information on today's show in the show notes and every other show I've had. Yes, we're on episode 212, so there's a few to go back and listen to if you're just getting started around here. Again, all the show notes can be found on my website at SimperitzWellness.com. Also, over there, I recently released a spring batch cooking guide. If you didn't listen to episode number 211, where I break down the importance of seasonality, you should go back and listen to that because it is one of the most important and yet overlooked aspects of health I believe we're living in today. So if you want to know more about seasonality and why it's important, and even if you have no idea the importance, but you just want some healthy meals to cook for your family, I've created a new guide with four weeks of batch cooking recipes, as well as five additional ways to layer them together to complete healthy meals that are convenient and realistic, practical, and delicious, your entire family will love. That guide is over on my blog on the homepage at simbirdswellness.com, and it's less than $10. You're definitely going to want to check that out. It is worth every single penny. Um, It is exactly how I make healthy eating realistic for me, and I want to share the system with you. Now, that's the spring guide. The summer guide will be coming out, as will a fall and winter, so you can have, by the end of this, 16 weeks of rotations of different meals that your family will love. So check that out again at SimperitzWellness.com. But for now, let's dive right into the show and welcome Dr. Katinka. Well, welcome to the show, Dr. Katinka. I'm excited to have you on and talk about a subject that we have yet to dive into, which is the central nervous system and the incredible work you're doing with it. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to visit with you today. Yeah. So today I want to talk about the central nervous system. Now, I just first want to kind of start with the basics and have you explain what it is and why the central nervous system could unlock so much healing. All right. So uh, the central nervous system is is such a fascinating um, system. And I believe that what we think we understand and know today is just the very tip of the iceberg um, based on what we're seeing. And that means there's incredible healing potential um, that we're just starting to access um, in that system. So central nervous system, you know, typically we think of the brain and spinal cord 
But now there is this whole other world of research coming out about the enteric nervous system, which is how the organs communicate with the central nervous system. And then the vagus nerve, which I think is almost like a second spinal cord. Mm. Yeah. So talk more about how it can unlock that healing. So the uh, the vagus nerve controls inflammation in the body and really the immune system. It is like a second brain that controls the immune system. Um, and the autonomic or automatic nervous system has a lot to do with the 12 cranial nerves. Uh, so the cranial nerves are nerves like uh, olfactory, you know, taste and smell and hearing seeing everything that connects us to the outside world um, Mm -hmm. connects with the cranial nerves and your autonomic nervous system is interwoven with those 12 nerves. Uh, Think of that as your automatic nervous system. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's say you eat a a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. We decide what we're going to have for lunch But after that, our bodies take over and uh, it has to digest that sandwich, take whatever vitamins out of it, nutrition out of it, use it as building blocks, decide what is waste. And we don't have anything to do with that. It just happens automatically and we forget about it. We don't think about that nervous system and everything it does for us every second of the day. Right. So what are some things that are influencing our autonomic nervous system? I mean, we see people all over the world who are struggling with pain and fibromyalgia and other things that you're treating. What is the influence that makes our nervous system not work the way that it should? Like, is it our food? Is it, I mean, is there a host of different things? Yeah. So it, it, can get somewhat complicated, but certainly some people are genetically predisposed to develop problems more easily with that system rather than others. But uh, genetics, I always say it's like a Pandora's box. Mm-hmm. You know, the box can be locked uh, with mm-hmm. all those bad things inside of it, or the box can be unlocked. And the key to that box is usually multifaceted. Um, physical, chemical, and emotional stress together in whatever recipe uh, can unlock that box. And then other things like viral infections, chronic, low-level viral infections, for instance, the Epstein-Barr virus, or Mm. we commonly know it as mononucleosis. Uh, That virus can live in your system and really affect that nervous system impacted in a negative way. Right, right, right. So when we start to talk about like complex regional pain syndrome and fibromyalgia, among others, like you said, Epstein-Barr, is there one common thread amongst these patients or is every form of pain and everything that you're treating and even all these viruses, are they presenting much differently in the patients? Um, we're actually finding with our patients, and we've treated probably more than 350 very serious, what we call dysautonomia cases. So uh, we have the, um, the opportunity to really study this patient population with a holistic approach mm-hmm. where we look at everything. And that has given us a lot of Um, information, like an informal study pool, if you will. And what we have found is that probably at least 85 to 90% of those patients have chronic uh, herpes virus infections. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they could be different. Epstein-Barr is a herpes virus or cold sores or um, shingles. Those are all herpes viruses that become chronic low level. So those patients tend to have those Uh, viral infections that go on uh, behind the scenes, but they don't necessarily know. Their medical doctors may see elevated white blood cell counts, but um, we see it so common in our population that nobody thinks about it twice. It's considered to be the new normal. And then another thing that we see is that system is divided into three parts. Most people know about only two parts, which is your parasympathetic Mm -hmm. or rest, digestion, and healing state that helps you to sleep, digest your food. And then there's a stress or a fight or flight nervous system that you can be caught in. 
and most dysautonomia patients fall in that group. And then there's a third subset that we're only now starting to find out more about, and that is called the parasympathetic freeze response. If you think of an animal that's being attacked, if it can no longer fight, if that has gone on a long time, then it plays dead. Mm. And your nervous system will sort of cocoon in on itself and it um, it literally plays dead. And so you stop interacting uh, with the outside world. A lot of patients diagnosed with depression will fall in that group. And it's really just because they've been in that sympathetic mode for so long that all of a sudden their body just can't, it can't keep up with that. Exactly. Their adrenal glands are exhausted. Their immune systems are exhausted. Their nervous systems become exhausted mm-hmm. and it can no longer fight. Mm, yeah. And so we see, like when you say a lot of this is genetic, but then there's the viral or component to that, but there's got to be a lot of preventative methods too, to prevent such issues in our body, correct? Yes. So vagus nerve activation is huge. Um, I cannot stress that enough. That nerve is the 10th cranial nerve and it runs with the carotid artery and the jugular vein in a sheath. Mm. So they're bound together. And it is Latin, vagus means wandering nerve because it is composed of a hundred thousand different individual nerve fibers. It is so complex and so smart and it connects to every organ in your abdominal cavity. We're even finding now that vaginally it connects and it connects to your bladder. Mm. And the problem with our organs and our diets today and all the chemicals we're exposed to is that organs become um, dysfunctional. And then uh, think of it as a pond that doesn't have fresh water supply. So the pond gets nasty and green and dirty with algae and things. And you can go clean that pond so it's pristine and put water back in it. But if you don't have fresh water supply, the pond is going to become dirty again. Mm -hmm. And now it's a breeding ground for parasites and mosquitoes and infections. That's how I think of our organs. So it's really um, a a two-way street. We have to... Um, decrease food allergies, things that you're sensitive to, rebuild the immune system, open up nerve communication to those organs. So you are both working from the nervous system side and Mm -hmm. also what we're putting into our bodies to feed our organs. Mm -hmm. Because the vagus nerve is going to be responsible for inflammation as well, correct? Absolutely. The vagus nerve decides if it's going to attack infections and um, when and where that is going to happen. Um, So what happens is we have these tiny cells called glial cells that surround our organs and they communicate with the the communication system Mm -hmm. between the organ and the vagus nerve. And if they sense an infection, they tell the vagus nerve, we're being attacked. And the vagus nerve unleashes this uh, response that could be very appropriate. But if it's going on all the time, it's causing massive inflammation. And then the immune system turns on itself and turns into these autoimmune conditions uh, that can be uh, as simple as allergies or as complicated as uh, lupus or Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that we're seeing so much more of these conditions? Or do you think that they're just, they're just being uh, diagnosed more? Uh, no, I think, you know, we're guessing. Um, I was speaking with a colleague the other day and he said, you know, 30 years ago, we could have such amazing results with just simple treatments. And now it is so much tougher to get those miraculous responses from patients. Um, And I think that's multifaceted, you know, definitely wireless internet. I believe that we don't fully understand yet the impact on our bodies, but Mm -hmm. we're seeing that in practice. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're adding more and more chemical stress to our bodies. It's our foods are being genetically modified. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have pesticides in our foods. We have chemicals that we're exposed to all the time. So I think that is multifaceted, but we're not living as cleanly or purely as we did a hundred years ago. 
Right, right. We just have so much more stress on the body, which is causing more of that sympathetic response. But at the same time, you are um, known for saying that you feel like your body can heal itself from within. Can you explain more about this and this healing? Because I don't think we often think that our body has the capacity, especially when we're sick, to really come alongside and heal our body. So can you just dig into that a little bit more? Absolutely. So um, when our patients come to us, they are what I call doctor and treatment exhausted. Mm-hmm. So they've typically been everywhere in the world. You know, they've gone to Mayo Clinic, they've gone to Cleveland, they've seen dozens of doctors. And uh, the the mindset that we've been programmed to, certainly in the United States, but also worldwide, is that our bodies are not smart enough to heal. We need scientists and pharmaceutical companies to design chemicals that we take uh, to try to help regulate our bodies from the outside in. And um, I'm not saying never take medications because sometimes it's certain appropriate, certainly appropriate. But our bodies are not stupid. They're mm-hmm. incredibly intelligent. Um, I usually ask my patients, if you have a cut on your arm, let's say you're chopping carrots, you, you cut your finger, you don't look at that cut and say, oh my gosh, I'm just going to bleed to death. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we assume that the bleeding is going to stop and that the cut will heal and we may have a scar, but that is going to get better. We just accept that our bodies can do that. Um, that is an incredibly complicated process, but we take that for granted. Right. But if we have a, if we have other conditions, let's say fibromyalgia, we just think that this is now chronic and we have to take medication and our body has forgotten how to heal from within. Mm-hmm. And that is not true. We have this incredibly intelligent, innate intelligence that runs billions of chemical reactions going on in our body every second. And if that force is unleashed and it is free to do its thing, in most cases, we can heal from the inside out. Mm, Yeah. So what are some like everyday practices that someone could take to really heal their bodies? Uh, well, certainly you want to be mindful of the fuel that you put into your body. Um, you know, the foods that we eat is incredibly important. And I would say emotional stress is a huge factor. Um, I was speaking to the husband of a current patient of mine who is a very well-known veterinarian doctor from uh, Florida. And I said, uh, Dr. Dr. Stark, how many... Um, diseases do animals have no mm-hmm. diseases and he said uh, all in all about 300 yeah now for him for human beings it's 10,000 oh my goodness so we're talking about an animal living in the same environment that we live in you know most dog food is not very healthy right. we prepare dog food that's what we feed them but they're healthier than we are the difference is is in emotional stress mm. If you just walk through, you know, this morning, maybe getting your kids ready for school and how many times you got stress, just getting them in the car, getting breakfast prepared, getting ready for your day versus what a dog went through the same hour. It's a huge difference. So um, constantly feeding what I call the good wolf. Mm. You know, there's that old Indian legend of Mm. do you feed the good wolf or the bad wolf with your thoughts? Um, in chiropractic, we have a saying, be careful who you rent the upstairs to. Mm. So a mindful attitude about the thoughts you're having and what is causing you stress or happiness in your life on a constant basis. Um, and then vagus nerve activation is huge. Um, and it can be as simple as just splashing your face with cold water every morning to activate that nerve uh, or gargling with water. Mm. Uh, if you Google vagus nerve activation or go YouTube it, there are dozens and dozens of ways to activate that nerve every way, mm-hmm. every day. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, this is really fascinating. And I love how you said about the mind because just in the space that I am, um, I think so often we're just looking for that external treatment to an internal problem. And 
I mean, there's loads of research coming out about the emotional storage that's happening in the memories of our cells. I mean, that's all got to be linked to our central nervous system. So is part of our central nervous system just working off past memories? Yes. So um, a big part of the work that we do has to do with past emotional stress that is stored in the brain. And the stress will take over. The, the brain is not, it's a weird organ. We think of mm-hmm. it as incredibly intelligent and it is. But at the same time, um, I don't want to call it dumb, but it's kind of ignorant to its Mm -hmm. own faulty processes. The brain wasn't designed to be healthy or sick. It was just designed to survive no matter what. Mm -hmm. And the brain tends to, if stress goes on for a long time, whether it's physical stress, um, like an ongoing injury or ongoing emotional stress, it will start ignoring that because it's an energy leak um, and just seal it off. And so when bad, really bad things happen with us and we don't deal with it appropriately, it's programmed into the subconscious mind. And then it starts affecting that autonomic nervous system so that your brain believes that your life is being threatened every second. You're Mm -hmm. in a fight or flight situation um, when it's not. It's an appropriate response um, to an inappropriate stress, if that makes sense. It's yeah. an over-response. Uh-huh. Right, right. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And and I mean, what we're learning about the brain is that it's plastic, essentially that it can be moldable and changeable. Um, but I, I can certainly see where patients that you deal with, who are the chronic patients who found no other outlet they have to be relatively stuck in those patterns. And and how difficult is it for the brain to start trusting that it is safe enough to heal? Uh, well, each, I always say it's a one fit one uh, kind of situation. So each patient is very different. We all have very, you know, different emotional responses to stress. So um, it's a very hands-on process. It's a puzzle that we build with each patient, trying to figure out their specific uh, subsets of stressors and how they got to be where they are. Mm -hmm. Um, But the number one quality that I say healthy people have is that they're not in victim mode. And I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way, Right. Mm-hmm. but it, if you're very sick and you go to the doctor and you expect that they're going to fix you from the outside in, typically you're never going to get there. If you have a take charge attitude and you understand that your health ultimately is up to you, you can have coaches, you can mm-hmm. have help, you can remove interference, but in the very end of the day, you have to tackle the bull by the horns and be in charge of your own healing, those patients tend to do really, really well. Mm, right, right, right. Yeah. Because we can so easily get trapped into what's been done to us, right? As opposed to what we are capable of. Is that a hard Absolutely. transition for people and your patients to grasp? Or do you feel like it, what do you feel like that mindset shift is? I guess is what I'm trying to ask to get someone to move into that space. Uh, it is a hard transition, uh, especially when patients have been through so much. So mm-hmm. really, it's a process um, that starts before they ever start active care in our clinic. Um, my patient care advocates, you know, are very good at interviewing patients and letting me know where they are before they start care. Um, so we know what kind of patient we're going to be working with. But right from day one, we let the patient know that this is one of the hardest things they're ever going to do. Mm-hmm. They're going to work very hard every day when they're here. Um, and to forget about this approach, um, you know, often I'm online and you see all the time praying for a cure. Let's mm-hmm. hope for a cure. And the thinking is that something from the outside is going to make us better on the inside when it's usually not a simple process and it's not one drug or one chemical that's going to make the difference. It's many different changes, parts of your body that have to be rehabilitated Mm. all once. And it's very hard work. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So why don't you explain a little bit more about what you're doing with patients and who you're seeing and, and what you're ultimately learning through this experience? Uh, so I graduated as a chiropractor and I was very miserable in practice for eight years uh, thinking that I wanted to do anything else but what I was doing. My passion turns out was helping um, the most hopeless of patients. Mm. And so uh, a very special patient crossed my path one day. His name was Carlos and uh, he suffered from complex regional pain syndrome where you feel like your body is on fire all the time. And it starts after a relatively simple injury. Let's say you had bunion surgery, mm. something that shocked the nervous system. And then it starts this fire in the nervous system. He had that full body and it spread to his internal organs. He couldn't eat anymore. He could just do maybe a spoon of uh, chicken broth at the time. And then he would curl up feeling mm. as if he had swallowed acid. And so Carlos came to me with a nine-month-old baby and his wife. Uh, she had found him uh, where he was about to commit suicide. And he said, I'm just here to make my wife happy. You're my last stop. Suicide is my next stop. Mm. And I was freaked out. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of pressure. Right. But um, by divine grace, I had a major breakthrough stimulating the vagus nerve. And when he came in the next day and I saw hope on his face, I was addicted. So that became my passion, giving hope to the most hopeless uh, of chronic pain patients. And they traveled to our program from all over the world. Uh, They're here for 10 to 12 weeks where we offer a very intense programs program where we have um, many different cutting edge treatments uh, that are all focused on um, removing interference to the central nervous system so that the body can rehabilitate and heal from within and become strong again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it really is incredible work and you're seeing great results from this. Do you think it's just because you're looking yes. at the entire body as a whole? I mean, I feel like so much of our healthcare system is just separate chunks of the human body, but rarely are we seeing anyone just look at the body as its entirety. Do you feel like that's just something that is so desperately needed? Yes, it is. Um, You know, unfortunately, in um, allopathic healthcare in the United States today, we have more and more specialists um, studying smaller and smaller parts and systems of the body. They're very knowledgeable about those things. But these doctors... um, they're kind of like, I mean this respectfully, but very incredibly smart mechanics going into an engine thinking, I can only work on the fuel pump and mm-hmm. the whole car will get better. When the human body is not designed like that, every single cell is connected to every single other cell. So you have to look at the entire patient, the entire body. So our holistic approach is is a big part of it. And then the other part is that I developed this obsession with bringing in the very best treatments and systems from all over the world. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm very open-minded. I'm always ready to learn. And if I find out about a doctor or a machine that uh, supports the body holistically and is having breakthroughs, we investigate it and then we make that part of our system. So we're constantly improving our system. I call it uh, shock and awe. Mm. We only have 10 to 12 weeks to turn suicidal people's health around. And for that, you need the very best treatments. Right, right. Yeah. So of all the things that you've studied about the human body, what are you most excited about? I'm most excited about the potential for healing. Um, When we bring, you know, we currently have a patient here from Australia. She gets seven to eight seizures a day. Everybody has given up on her. Mm -hmm. She's being turned away everywhere. Medically, they're throwing their hands up. And when you see breakthroughs with that patient, when you see them sleeping through the night for the first time, that is so exciting to me. I feel that we're moving into a direction of um, energy medicine and new frontiers and medication. 
And slowly but surely, we're moving away from this pharmaceutical approach to the approach that every single cell is designed to be healthy and to heal with Mm -hmm. the right support. And I think breakthroughs in the future with things like uh, cancer treatments will change. So that's very exciting to me. The the possibilities that we're just starting to uncover, um, sort of coming full circle to the sense that the body can heal from within. Yeah, yeah. So when the patients go through this treatment and you send them home, what does home look like? Are they re-regulated to a new normal or are they going back to their old lives? What's happening Uh, or is it different from patient to patient? It's different from patient to patient. Uh, I just sent home a young man in his 20s with complex regional pain syndrome his feet, which means any temperature change is hugely traumatic. And he going care um, and sent me a picture where he's walking barefoot in the snow. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's up and running. But then, you know, we have other patients that need a little more emotional support. Um, we have a guest, uh, not a speaker really, she's a, a therapist that uses a process called the lightning process, which originated in Europe. And if patients have a little bit more of an emotional um, rehabilitation that they need to do, she comes in and she has a three-day course where she teaches patients how to process stress in a healthier way. Mm-hmm. Um and so we'll put some patients through that program. Sometimes they'll do a little bit of ongoing therapy at home, renting some of the equipment we use here, Skyping with our therapists. So sometimes they're strong enough to stand up on their own and sometimes they need a little bit more long-term support. It just depends. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's so different. And that's what I love how you approach patients as just each as their own unique individual. And I think that's just what health needs anymore. So if we keep going with like the emotional component, which I feel like I see so many people who just resist that as a part of their health, how much of health do you believe is an emotional problem? Um, I'm always careful with that because so many of our patients have been told that their pain is all in their heads. Mm. And that's the wrong way to think about it. So emotional stress can cause very real physical um, problems from cancer to complex regional pain syndrome. Um, so it's a huge part of the equation. Um, it's not all of it because sometimes you'll see people that are able to tolerate huge amounts of stress, go through very traumatic things like death of a loved one or divorce, and uh, they don't get sick. So it depends very much on your genetic makeup, but it's a very big part of it. And a part of the preventative puzzle, you know, if you think, what can I do to be healthier? I'm a huge uh, fan of uh, therapy, Um, you know, and that can come in many ways. If you have a tight circle of friends that you can talk to and work through things instead of bottling it up, that's great. Or Mm -hmm. you could have a therapist that you see every now and then just for maintenance, Um, just to sort of work through some of these traumatic things rather than um, burying it like nuclear waste in your backyard. Yeah, I love that description of nuclear waste because it feels a lot like that sometimes, doesn't it? (laughs) Yes, and eventually what is stuffed down will be expressed. It's going to come out. It will explode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's not always expressed in the ways that we want to see. Like you said, it can come across as a lot of different disease processes which is incredibly alarming. Yes. So when we, when we talk about this, do you feel like there is one gender or sex that experiences more disease processes than another? Like, do you see more women than men or is it really pretty split? I've always kind of wondered, is there a, a true genetic variant that one set of the population has more disease processes than another, or is it pretty true down the middle? And we actually see that women are more affected by emotional stress in a lot of ways. It tends to be expressed as uh, symptoms more so than with men. And the reason for that is that men are naturally trained or genetically predisposed, I'm not sure which, 
to have both hemispheres of their brain operating. So they tend to have a more logical side and then they have a, a good emotional balance for most men. Um, and so they tend to tolerate stress better. Uh, the brain is programmed to always remember trauma but since most women tend to be more left brain dominant, it's easier to uh, be stuck in disease processes uh, as compared to men. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's something to take note of for the women, especially because I do, I mean, I, I haven't been able to do, dig into the research enough, but I do see so many more women in my own practice. Um, and one, women tend to talk more about it, but I didn't know if there was, because men didn't talk as much as women, maybe, um, if they were also seeing just as many problems. But just biologically speaking, a man can tend to handle a little bit more stress than a woman. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I believe it's just how our brains uh, were designed. Um, and, you know, naturally women are programmed to experience more guilt. Mm -hmm. I think in prehistoric times, that's how uh, we protected our offspring. Right. And so um, we tend to hang on to things more than men. And, and part of that is probably cultural and how we're raised. Um, and so I think if we can empower little girls more and develop that right brain, um, that we could learn to tolerate stress better than what we're currently doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This is so good. So I have been doing a lot of research into fascia and, um, I know that part of the central nervous system lives in that. What is, what is your take on the fascia? Because it's relatively new in the space. Yes, yeah, so fascia is huge because, as you said, um, it holds emotional stress. Mm -hmm. And we're finding now every single cell in the body can experience emotions, which is a whole new thing. We used to think yeah. that it just lives in our heads, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but there, there's all this exciting research where if you get an organ transplant, you will take on some of the attributes of the person who gave you that organ. And so maybe yeah. if they love chicken, you never liked it before. And now you have a kidney from that person. All of a sudden you like chicken too, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. But the, the fascia especially is a place where a lot of our emotional trauma is mm -hmm. stored. Uh, now we work with, it's a, it's a loose term called scar tissue. If you think of scar tissue, we think of, you know, that fibrous tissue that you can see. But scar tissue is any cell that was altered by physical, chemical, or emotional stress. And now it acts as a rock in this river of information as it flows through our bodies. So think of a nerve signal as a wave coming through the body. And if you have emotional stress that alters the cell, it acts as uh, what we call scar tissue. Mm. And so we have a treatment where um, it's called shockwave therapy that sends sound waves through the tissue to break up some of those abnormal cells so that the wave can move smoothly through the body again. Um, what's interesting is you can have this abnormal tissue maybe in let's say your ankle, you had an old yeah. fracture or surgery or an injury, and that could affect healing in your shoulder. Mm. Yeah. That's what's so baffling about fascia is just the interconnection uh, between systems and places inside the body, which a lot find it very confusing. How do you simplify it down to understand what we need to know to use it for our benefit? I think simply we need to start thinking of the body as a whole mm. where, mm -hmm. um, you know, we have to love every single part of it and accept that if we had trauma, that every single part of it was affected. Um, and, you know, just, just keep it simple rather than trying to make it so complicated um, see a doctor that understands that every single part is connected to every other part. Um, and if you're going to heal it and one part of your body becomes healthier, the whole body is going to be healthier. Mm. 
mm-hmm. because of it. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. Okay. So I know you kind of said, what are some steps earlier that people could take, but what do you wish more people knew and actually implemented into their life to prevent what you see in your clinic? I wish more people, like we already discussed, I wish more people understood understood that the body is not designed to be made healthier from the outside in, Mm -hmm. but that the power lies in our hands. Mm -hmm. Um, That every decision we make every single day is going to determine where our health is two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And that we take a more active role in our health, a more responsible role, and that we stop um, treating our bodies like cars. We can go drop it off at the mechanics and pick it up on Monday and it's all fixed magically because now I'm taking a drug or I had a surgery. But that they took more active roles, responsible roles in their ongoing health. Um, and also the power of the vagus nerve, um, understanding it better um, and activating it daily and mindfully, just like you would do meditation or prayer or exercise mm-hmm. or healthy eating, that we start looking at the health of our cranial nerves, specifically the vagus nerve. Yeah. Yeah. So important. So I have a few quick fire questions that I want to ask about your own personal life. So in your own life, what do you feel like is the most important thing you do for your health every day? Uh, I meditate. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I, if I can do it just for five minutes, that's okay. But I go to that quiet space and um, I'm a very practical person. I'm, I'm by no means a flower child or a hippie. <laughs> But you have to have alone time where you connect with your internal um, emotional temperature and understand on a daily basis, am I happy? Are my choices making me happy? Do I wake up happy? Um, Life is so short and so precious. And we get caught in bad patterns where we maybe stay in bad marriages or bad relationship dynamics because it's all we know. And so um, I live with a mindfulness to appreciate my health as the most precious thing that I have and uh, to be happy, which may sound like a small thing, but I feed that happiness with books, Mm -hmm. with podcasts, every way that I can. I read two books a month um, that, you know, helps me to understand how to hold on to happiness uh, so it's an ongoing active process. And then I very much get vagus nerve stimulation every week, understanding the importance of that. So what do you mean by you actively get vagus nerve stimulation every week? In our office, we have our own technique that we use um, to stimulate the vagus nerve. It's very non-invasive. And so lucky for me, I have an incredible associate that I talk my work to because this part of it, I cannot do to myself just the way we do it. So I get treatments, preventative treatments every week, at least one treatment with Dr. Andrew to make sure that my vagus nerve is fully flowing. Um, there is a book I can recommend for those of yeah. you who do not have Dr. Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Activating. It's one of my favorite life-changing books. Uh, it's called Activating the Healing Power of the Vagus Nerve by Rosenberg. And he has what he calls the basic exercise, which we have tested in practice. It really works. And it's a very simple way where you can activate your vagus nerve at least once or several times a day. It takes all but a minute. Yeah. Okay. I've heard about these techniques that you can do that very quickly. Is it efficient to do it more often or do you really only need to do it a couple of times a day? You really just need to do it a couple of times a day. Um, There's a fascinating study that came out last year that had to do with Parkinson's. Um, Parkinson's Mm. is caused by a misfolded protein that accumulates in our brain. But 10 to 20 years before we find it in our brain, it is found in the gut. Mm. And so what they found with mice is if they injected the protein in the gut, 
but cut the vagus nerve, the mice never develop Parkinson's. So the vagus nerve acts as a ladder for Parkinson's, um, viral infections to make it to the brain. So if you can activate that nerve just once for 24 hours after your vagus nerve now cannot be used as a ladder. And also some of the inflammatory cytokines associated with cancer are no longer active. So think of it as a giant boost for your body, fighting off cancer, preventing cancer, preventing Parkinson's, preventing viral infections, even if you just did it once in the morning. I would recommend just to be safe, do it in the morning and do it right before bedtime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That is um, really helpful because it's such a simple thing that you don't have to do. I mean, it, some of these things in health, I think we think is so have to be so complex to work, but some of these are very basic practices that really don't take that much time and they're very effective. So I'll make sure and link that book up in the show notes. Are there any other books that you have used that have been life-changing for you? Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, I, I'm a book junkie, so it is really hard for me uh, to choose one. There is one that is huge for emotional stress. It's called Dynamic Health by Dr. Ted Mortar. Mm-hmm. He's a chiropractor, and he teaches you the importance of your thoughts and how to prevent your thoughts from becoming stuck in your brain and causing long-term um, damage. And then uh, just one of my personal favorites is about the law of attraction. It's called, excuse me, your life is waiting. And even if you don't buy into the law of attraction and positive thoughts, it very much teaches you that your attitude in life is going to determine the things that you attract to you in life and your daily level of happiness. So those are some big ones. Yeah, yeah, those are fantastic. And like I said, I'll make sure and link all of those up in the show notes so you can find them easily. The last question I have is, what's the best piece of advice you can leave uh, or that you've received and can leave us with? One of my very favorite things, sayings in life is by the son of the founder of chiropractic. His name was BJ Palmer. And it is, I'm paraphrasing, but you never know how far reaching something you think, say, or do will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. Mm. And so every day to me uh, is an open book that I haven't written in yet. And I wonder what is the story I'm going to write today and going back to my health. Yeah. Five years from now. So I'm not saying never have a cupcake, never have half a bottle of wine with your girlfriend. You know, we can mess up, but the things we do on a daily basis with mindfulness, rather than living like robots going through negative circumstances, choosing happiness and choosing health and making decisions that support future health and happiness on a daily basis where every little decision adds up to a great big positive outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So good. So the last question I have is, can you tell us more about your clinic, what you do and how people can learn more about you and maybe experience their own healing through your clinic? Absolutely. So our website is the Spiro Clinic, S-P-E-R-O.com. And you can also find us on Facebook under the Spiro Clinic. Uh, please join us on Facebook and Instagram. Um, we post videos all the time uh, of when people come in, whether they're in wheelchairs or they cannot walk. And then you can follow their progress through 10 to 12 weeks. And we have a little ceremony at the end where they ring a bell when they go home. And it's a great big celebration in the office. And even if you're not sick, it is absolutely fascinating to watch these patient stories and watch these miracles unfurl where um, maybe somebody was suicidal and now they're going back to work. Or you have a 12-year-old from Australia going back to being a full-time athlete. So. Follow us. We talk about our system on our website and we post videos all the time. Um, we, our center is in Norfolk, Arkansas, 
And we are in the process of building a 20,000 square foot clinic. Wow. And yes, we're so excited. And then the next step is to Spiro Europe um, because we have lots of European patients currently having to travel to the US. Mm-hmm. So it is my hope eventually that our system will be available in every state where it's this very powerful approach to chronic nervous system pain, uh, chronic pain. Um, but our, our future mindset is very much um, directed towards expanding and bringing this to the masses. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's incredible work that you do. And I encourage everyone to go check it out because it is, um, amazing just to see the results and to give people hope who are essentially hopeless. So congratulations on all the work that you've done. And, um, I just am excited to watch your clinic continue to grow in the work that you do. So Dr. Katina, thank you so much for being on the show. Alexa, thank you so much for having me. You were lovely. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope that I contributed to improving your life today. I mean, wasn't Dr. Katinka a wealth of knowledge? You can see why people travel to her clinic from all over the world with the state-of-the-art work that she is doing to help relieve people of these chronic pain syndromes that are debilitating to kids, to adults, to all people across the world. If you want to learn more about Dr. Katinka's work, don't forget to head to thesparrowclinic.com to learn more about our clinic, making appointments, and even checking out her books that she has authored to help you in this process of dealing with chronic pain. Again, you can find all this information at thesparrowclinic.com. I have all of the links and resources from today's show linked up in the show notes over at my website, simperitswellness.com backslash 212. All the shows can be found there as well as all the resources. So make sure you go back over there, gather what you need to continue to walk in this journey of health because it's just that, a journey, a never-ending flow of taking in information and making the practical application to make this who you are, not just another thing that you have to do. So I thank Dr. Katina for coming on the show. I hope you learned a thing or two and you would share this with your friends and family. Maybe someone else who's struggling with a pain syndrome that needs a little bit of extra light and hope. But regardless, I think we can all take something away about unlocking those interferences in our central nervous system and how we can ultimately walk in health. So with that being said, don't forget to leave a rating and review. You can do that at simperitswellness.com backslash review. Click on the five-star rating, leave a quick snippet about how you love the show and what you learned, and also go give Dr. Katinka some love over at thesparrowclinic.com. That's it for today's show. I will be back here next week, like always. In the meantime, you guys have the best week.